I'll watch TV tonight. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We're back with another season recap podcast today. We are joined once again by Kyle McEwen and we're going to be looking at the Memphis Grizzlies and their 2017-18 season. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Hey pal, thanks for having me on. Let's get to it. To it. Michael Bolton has been uh, absent from the last couple of podcasts. I've got to make sure I, I throw him in there. Let's start with this Memphis team who uh, obviously clearly underperformed their expectations this season in large part due to injury, but also some uh, pretty pitiful performances. They tanked their asses off um, without any uh, shame whatsoever. It ended up uh, not working out in their favor as they slid down to the number four pick in the 2018 NBA draft. That might work out well for them. We'll see who's available at that point. But let's start with one thing, and that is the fact that they did fire David Fisdale early in the season. JB Bickerstaff came on as the interim coach, and he has been retained on a three-year deal to remain the head coach in what I can only describe as a nonsense um, process, interviewing no one else, looking at no one else, and nothing I saw from Bickerstaff either at his t- with his time in Houston or his time in Memphis as an interim coach makes me think that he was by far and away the best option that they uh, they had. Um, any thoughts on Bickerstaff? Um, you know, I, did, I forgot to check how long they signed him for. Do you have any idea how that is? Because Three years is what my understanding is. Because he still feels like a lame duck coach. It's like yeah. he's still just the he's the guy who's there right now for the the rebuild still. And yeah, I don't I don't I don't really get it. It's it's definitely not exciting for the Memphis Grizzlies fan base. The fact that you fired a head coach who was still pretty much well liked by people, except for Marcus All, and then you take the guy who was working underneath him who's part of the old regime and who was a lame duck coach who you definitely didn't think was coming back. So you kind of got it in your head that, okay, JB Bickerstaff's the interim coach for this year. We're going to go through a hiring process. And as you said, they didn't have a hiring process. They just finally were like, oh, we've had enough time to see him. And and we think he's a good head coach. And it's just like, you're, you're not instilling confidence in your fan base. Definitely. So it's, it's, it's hard to see um, exactly what they're doing, but I also don't want to completely write it off and say, yeah, J.B. Bicker's staff su- sucks because it's it's hard to quantify the usefulness of a coach, and maybe he is the right guy for the mindset they want right now. Yeah, look, we, we don't know. It's, it is hard to evaluate coaches, but nothing that I saw from him made me go, yeah, like this this is it. Definitely got to make sure you grab onto J.B. Bicker's staff. There's been whispers around that perhaps he's been somewhat of a, a destabilizing force in, in locker rooms in Memphis, in Houston before. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I have heard that reported before and sort of angling his way to get these interim jobs. And now he's found himself in a head coaching position, but nothing that he did while he was a member of or, or coaching the Grizzlies made me think, yeah, this is a, the best option for this team that they come into this season with the fourth pick in the draft, the 32nd pick in the draft. They're going to have, you know, options there. And outside of, you know, there's Mike Conley, there's Marcus Sol, but no one else on this team is considered really very good at all. They don't have a, a 
wealth of young prospects. So they'd just be looking for the best player at that spot, whether that is a front court guy, whether Luka Doncic uh, inexplicably falls down to them and they, they should be snatching that immediately if it is the case. But uh, there's a lot, lot uh, of options there for them at pick number four. The free agents uh, on this team, the biggest one here or the biggest contributor from last season is Tyreek Evans, who they failed to trade away at the trade deadline. He might be back in Memphis. Who knows what sort of offer he's going to get? He was really good for this team. And I hate to think just how bad they would have been if Tyreek hadn't have been on this team. They would have, they probably would have ended up with those odds, number one odds for the number one pick because he was playing quite well. The other uh, guy that's unrestricted is Mario Chalmers, who I don't think I'd be wanting to bring back or, or get into the NBA. He struggled. And then a bunch of non-guaranteed players. Andy Harrison, who I think surprised me this season, Wayne Selden and Amari Johnson, who was signed late in the season, and then Mike Henry and Kobe Simmons as two-way guys. So no real major guys there with the exception of Tyreek Evans. Do you think that um, uh, do you think Tyreek can command a decent market this offseason? It'll be interesting to see who, who decides to potentially go after Tyreek Evans. Um, he's proven a f- I, I believe now in him as a three-point shooter. I'll say that. The fact that the last few seasons he's shot you know, 38% or better, um, I look at him and I go, all right, whereas I, at, at one point I thought that he was just a, a driver, now that I can believe that he's going to have gravity out at the three-point line, I do think Evans is, is more intriguing than what he was in the past. He's still just 28, so I shouldn't say just 28, but he's still 28, so he's not you know, over the hill in regards to NBA age. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that could benefit from getting Tyreek Evans. Uh, I just don't... I don't, know, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit, and I do think that the Grizzlies completely screwed up everything around him last year. They He played well, and they didn't capitalize on getting any assets back for him, and realistically, he probably should go somewhere else unless they're going to – because look at look at what they did to him last year. They just sent him home. And I'm sure there, there was some part of that where he was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not going to play and get myself hurt going in before the, the – you know, playing in, in not inconsequential games. But in the same respect, like – they they may have hurt his his ability to earn money this season simply because he wasn't playing down the stretch or not proving that hey I can stay healthy and I can be productive for the entire season like I I'm a little bit suspect as to whether or not he would want to go back to that situation they sent him home and then he played six games for the rest of the season. That was it. He came back, played three games after uh, returning, had a right rib injury, which kept him out for about three weeks and then played three more games for the rest of the season and rested for personal reasons down the stretch, which to me means, you know, screw you guys. Like, I'm, I'm done. This is bullshit and I don't want to be here. That's the uh, that's the impression I get with Tyreek. He was uh, he was impressive. We'll get back to him in a little bit. Just a couple, cover off a few things for this team. They were 22 and 60 for the season, 29th team in pace, 27th offense, 26th defense, yeah, really poor numbers. 28th in uh, effective field goal percentage, that's obviously really poor. Also uh, gave away the most free throw attempts in the entire NBA, leading you know lack of discipline, poor front court players as well. That, that's a, a, a real concern there. Gave up a ton of rebounds. Also, um, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Who do you think had the highest offensive rating on this team? Does a uh, number of games played matter? Uh, no. 
Marshawn Brooks? No, but he led the team in basically every other advanced stat. It was Deontay Davis that had the highest offensive rating, Ooh. and Mike Henry had the best defensive rating, so very little to sort of garner out of those ones. But in terms of Marshawn, he led the team in PER, true shooting, usage, win shares per 48, offensive box score plus minus, and box score plus minus, because all those things are done on a, uh, a per-minute basis, not a not an, uh, a cumulative type stats the cumulative num- numbers which is Vorp and uh, Winchester's Tyreek Evans led the team in uh, in both of those but Brooks was fantastic we'll talk about him a little bit uh, later on in the show let's uh, let's get into these guys uh, let's let's continue a little bit on Tyreek and just cover off what he did this year 31 minutes 19 and a half points five rebounds five assists that's basically what he did in Sacramento as a rookie where he was 25 and 5 he was the 42nd ranked player this year hit over two threes and had over a steal 45 79 and he was a guy that I took in over half of my leagues this year and guy that I was pretty big on taking with that last pick in a draft and I I couldn't have even anticipated that it would work out as well as this his situation won't be as positive next season is what it was this season but we have to remember and people will go oh yeah no Mike Conley but he was putting up numbers like this Kyle or similar to this before Conley went down even yeah absolutely um and there there might be if if Tyreek Evans ends up back on this team I think he'll have an opportunity to put up good stats even if Conley's healthy Gasol's healthy because there's not much beyond those guys that are like locked up as far as who deserves the possessions going yeah. into next season. Yeah, exactly. There's this team is the team that's as bad as what they were. They don't have this you know, plethora of young guys like what the Suns do or even the Kings to a, to a degree with you know, all their young players as well. The Grizzlies just don't have that level of player or level of, of young talent on this team that could potentially turn into something. Evans was a monstrous 12.5 in his uh, on-off numbers for this year. That is a huge, huge amount. Um, yeah, again, basing it on the guys who are coming off the bench behind him, it, it makes a little bit of sense, but that's a, that's a huge, uh, performance from him. Marcus Sol, a key factor in the, um, in the David Fisdale firing from all, from all reports. He played 33 minutes per game in his 73 games this season, 17 points, eight rebounds. He hit one and a half threes, four assists. 0.7 steals, 1.4 blocks. Really inefficient, though, from the field. 42%, 34 from three for a true shooting of 53%. But overall, it's basically, Kyle, just a standard-ish type Marcus Gasol season. Yeah, his you know his rebounds were up a little bit this year. And as you just pointed out, he shot just 42% from the field, which is nuts and terrible for a center. Um, but... I, I, do you blame that on his age? He's getting old and he's just not hes not playing as well. Or do you blame that a little bit on the fact that he was probably disinterested a lot of the season? I think there's, there's both of those factors. His field goal percentage has dropped each of the past three seasons. Back in 14-15, he was a 49% shooter. 56.3, sorry, 46.3 the year after, 45.9 the year after, and then down to 42. But he started off shooting really poorly. Over the end of the season, he started to improve that 44% over his last 18 games. But yeah, there's definitely a, a portion of that where he was, um, yeah, not as interested as what he needed to be down the stretch of, uh, of games here or throughout the entirety of this season, really. And that did contribute to that. But we also, we can't discount the fact that uh, of age in this and he is 
uh, 33 years of age now. He's obviously not getting any younger like nobody is, but he is still, you know, there is the potential for that drop off to come. But I was impressed by his ability to improve his rebound rate and he needed to with Zach Randolph not there. Someone had to grab those rebounds and he was able to do that and everything else stayed similar, assisting well, getting the blocks. The steals are about the same. Threes are about the same. The scoring did dip a little bit this season, um, mainly because of that efficiency drop. But I think we can expect you know, relatively similar numbers again from Gasol next season. I don't think his role is going to be you know, dropping off uh, anytime soon, but we just have to watch how that efficiency runs. While I expect some improvement, I don't expect him to go back to 50% or anything along those lines. Well, if Mike Conley's healthy, hopefully he just has a complete bounce back. I still think that, I don't. I, I I doubt it would happen, but I do think that Gasol should be on the trade block this off season, just so the Grizzlies can see what they can get for him. Yeah, he should be. I, I don't know if he will be. We will. We will obviously see about that. They don't appear like they're going to be doing that with Gasol, but there is a there is a possibility, I and mean, they should be at least investigating and seeing what sort of uh, what sort of things they can get from him. He was still quite good defensively, not as good as he has been in the past, and he has slipped from his defensive player of the year type style of play, but still can be. Uh, a decent enough defensive guy. Mike Conley had that injury, which pissed us off to no end consistently. Oh, you know, sort of day to day, week to week with Achilles soreness, Achilles soreness and ended up having a uh, surgery on his heel. This is the second time that the Achilles injury has really plagued him over the past three seasons. He only played 12 games this year and struggled in, in a lot of those, especially with the shooting. So people look at it and go, man, yeah, Conley shit, it was such a waste of, of a draft pick. And then that's right because he got injured, but also. <laughs> You can't predict that. You can't predict that was going to be the case. And you also, in these first couple of games, he shot 60% in the first game and then 21, 30, 47, 39, 40, 22, 44, 53, 40, 36, and 17. So the shooting was just way, way off. Ended up shooting 38% from the field and he was a 46% shooter last season. So when you look at the numbers, you go, they're, they're shit. Yeah, because of that field goal percentage, but it wasn't going to stick at 38% all season. It was going to come up. He shot 31% from three when he'd been at least 36% for the four seasons prior to that. So in that, that foot, heel, Achilles, whatever it was, that injury clearly played a part in him not being able to shoot as, as well as he would have liked to early in the season. Still averaged 17, two and four with a steal and two triples. And Tyreek Evans did siphon some assists away from him. But I think that a fully healthy Mike Conley is not going to be the 122nd ranked player per game that he was this season as we get him back close to being a 20 point per game guy, probably back up to five and a half to six assists and that efficiency jumping right back up. And I think he's, he's primed to be a, a steal-ish type player on draft day, I think, at this point. Yeah, we'll we'll want to keep a close eye on his on the news regarding his health and how he looks. Whether we get a a peek into that this summer or just when preseason hits, um, but for the most part, you'd look at Conley and you'd go keep an open mind towards him next year. Don't just automatically think, oh, he was he was hurt all last year and he's going to be hurt all this year. Don't don't get don't get down that route because you start thinking like that and then you you completely overlook a guy like Tyreek Evans who was in a great situation this year. And it was available at the end of the drafts, like Josh talked about, because in in a lot of respects, I did that. I think I only took Tyreek in maybe like one of my drafts last year because it took me a long time to come around to the idea that that he wasn't going to be one of those guys that I patently avoided. Where because the key thing in, in talking about that is is like you said, Josh, is it's yeah, they may not they may be on like um you're no draft list for certain rounds, but there comes a certain point in the draft where you say Okay, based on who's available and the 
the ceiling for this player, it's worth the risk at this point to say, I'm going to take him now. And so if, if Conley starts, if Conley starts appearing as ADP of 70, 75, then I'll, I'll be all over it. I'll probably own way, way too much because he's a guy who clearly has top 30 upside. If that efficiency goes back to 45%, then we're talking about a, a guy who's going to average 20 and four and seven with a, a yeah, potentially more steals per game than what he's had in previous years. He was a guy that at one point in his career was averaging two steals per game. I don't think we're ever getting back to that, but it was a poor season, uh, obviously punctuated by that, uh, that injury that cut things short and didn't allow for that improvement to come. Now, you referenced, uh, Marshawn Brooks earlier. He, uh, came on late, played seven games and was pretty much out of his mind, played 28 minutes. <laughs> 20 points, 2.7 threes, 3 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.6 steals, 50, 87, and the kicker, call 59% from three. And I will 100% guarantee you he will not be this efficient next season. It, there, it is not happening. Do not look into this and go, Marshawn Brooks is the truth. Marshawn Brooks is the future. He will not. N- nobody is shooting 59% from three. This is seven games, and he was excellent, but no Tyreek, no Conley. Limited guys, he was being able to do whatever he wanted to do. He had a thirty percent usage rate. None of this shit will stick. Pretty much. Um, I mean, Marshawn Brooks was playing really well over in China. He was. Um, his 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 free throw percentage. Well, I don't know. I guess I wasn't watching him, but he was putting up plenty of good stats over there. Um, his free throw percentage eighty seven percent this year in those seven games. I do think his free throw percentage, if you were looking at what he's done, um in recent years and whatnot, if you're looking at his stats outside of the NBA, it looks like he's just a, a tremendous free throw per shooter. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you can't trust the 50% field goal percentage. You can't trust the, obviously the 59% from three point. That's not going to happen again. Um, his assists were up a little bit, uh, with, with the Grizzlies than, than what they were in previous times when he was in the NBA. So maybe there's a little bit added passing ability that Brooks has developed over the years. He's 29. Uh, he is under contract with the, with the Grizzlies next year. So he'll, he should be there. Um, and he might end up being the starter for them if, yeah. if, Easy. if we come back and it's Conley, Brooks, Dylan Brooks. So, there's there's potential for Marshawn Brooks to have consistent and good fantasy value next year, but it's not going to be anywhere near the level that he was putting up this season, playing in games where Marcus Gasol was sitting out, so a lot of those games, Mike Conley was out, and there really was just no other talent on this team. He's an old player coming in and just putting up good stats on a crappy team, so don't look too hard at what Brooks did, but you can t- you can glean from it the fact that okay, if he has the opportunity, he's he might be somebody to uh, to keep an eye on going into next year. Now, I will caveat all, all this stuff with him by saying, yeah, that the Chinese league plays at an extraordinarily high pace. That there is a massive talent discrepancy, but he's played the last three seasons for Jiangsu Nangang in the uh, in the CBA. This is of course your home for all Chinese basketball league information. <laughs> In those three seasons, Marshawn Brooks has averaged 35, 36, and 37 points per game. He has shot from three 41, 41, and 41% from three. 
He has shot from the field 53, 50, and 51% from the field, and he has averaged 4.2, 4.4, and 5.7 assists with 2.3, 1.9, and 2 steals per game. So the numbers he is putting up in China have been remarkably consistent, basically the same numbers every single season, and a lot of that stuff did come to the NBA. His assists were up. His three-point percentage was up. 57% is obviously ludicrous, but a 40% shooter in China, he could be a 40% shooter again next season. From the field, 50% from the field, meaning his two-point percentage was pretty strong as well. Again, that translated to the NBA. Steal rate was high. Yeah, He scored well. All these things from three years in China, he extrapolated them to seven games in the NBA. Now, it's not going to stick at a 30% usage or that level of shooting, but to think that he's not the same bloke that he was when he left the NBA... But he's also not the same guy that we saw in these seven-game sample size. And, and you're right, if Tyreek is gone, he could be playing this role where he can put up a 25% usage and can score 14 points and hit two threes a game and have three assists and have 1.2 steals and be a useful fantasy guy. So while the end of a the end of a um of a of a season is not always the best indicator of of how everything is going to um pan out i think there is some stuff here that we can uh that we can glean from looking at uh, uh what brooks did for this season and putting up those numbers where it was uh was decently impressive do you have anything to add on uh on uh one of the brookses on this team well i think marshawn is he somebody who you maybe if you can get him thrown into a deal in a in a 30 team league or a, a deeper league where he would have value a dynasty would you would you be targeting him in any respect? I think that I'd even go a little bit shallower than that. Like I'd be looking at him at 16 teams. But, of course, I think we're looking at maybe one year of value out of him. I don't think this is a a prolonged thing that, again, you mentioned his age already. He's not uh, he's not the youngest guy uh, going around. I think we can look at him as being a, an option for next season. But after that, I'm not really sure that it, uh, that it goes uh, full steam ahead and yeah, continues on at this realm where the other guys should start to, uh, to jump ahead of him in the queue. Um, but yeah, he was, he was impressive then. And I do think he can have that value. Now, a guy who I'm not massively big on, um, he's older than you anticipate. Actually, Jermichael Green is who I'm talking about here. He's actually older than Marshawn Brooks, which I think a lot of people would be a little bit surprised. Oh, actually, no, he's not. Sorry, my mistake. I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, he's, he's 28 years of age, uh, played 55 games, 28 minutes, 10 and eight and a half with 0.83s. 0.6 steals and half a block, 46 and 72 as his percentages, 159th ranked player this season. I don't think he's very good. Kyle, can you uh, dissuade me from that opinion? No. You know, if if, if Jermichael Green was going to show us something more than what he, has sh- he had shown in the past, it was going to come this last year, and we didn't see it. He had all the opportunity in the world. That's not to say that he was terrible in any respect, but he's just he's he's not much more than average. And um, I, I can't think of much kinder words to say. He, he's, again, he seems like a good dude, but I just, as far as his utility uh, as a fantasy player in most leagues, it's uh, it's severely lacking. Where, where can you get better? Like he averaged 10 points in 28 minutes. He's a good rebounder. I'll, I'll give him that. He did hit threes okay this season at 34%. He offers you nothing defensively. You don't get steals. You don't get blocks. He doesn't get to the line. He doesn't shoot him particularly well particularly well he doesn't pass he's not a high efficiency guy like what what is he like he's just this is who he this is best case scenario 10 and 8 
with no defensive numbers. Like that's this is who he is. So many people had high hopes for Jamichael heading into the season. I clearly wasn't one of them. I'd much prefer them to run Jarrell Martin out there, who's four years younger than Jamichael Green. And there's a chance that they're getting Marvin Bagley or Jaron Jackson or Mo Bumba in this situation, who they might you know be looking to play a little bit more than Jamichael. And bloody play Chandler Parsons there a little bit. Well, not the Parsons has been spectacular, but I just don't. There's no future to me in Jermichael Green as an NBA-level starter. And I, I just... If you've got him in a dynasty league and you can convince someone that he's a top 100 player, just trade him away as quick as you can. I, I cannot see him getting any better than what we're currently seeing from him, and that's not the best as it is. No, I would think that last year was Jermichael Green's best career year. Yep. And that's not saying much. No, I it's, mean, it's just... It's just really it's fine. Yeah, look saying good. very little. That's great. You're an NBA starter. You put up good numbers, and you do a hundred times better than I would ever be able to do in that same situation. But I'm not evaluating my own fantasy prospects. I don't look at Jamichael as being someone who's really able to take many steps forward from here and, and become yeah, an impactful guy. Um, let's uh, let's swing it to Dylan Brooks, at one of the players on this team who does have some upside. Played all 82 games, 22 years of age, 29 minutes, 11, three, and one and a half. 0.9 steals, 44 and 75 with 36%. And he was the 207th ranked player this season I spoke of. He was another player I spoke about in the 2017 draft recap. The second half of the season or, or the stretch of the season, he was putting up monster numbers. He saw his usage go through the roof, 18 usage for the season, but 20, 24% over the last 26 games of the year. At, scored 16, 22, 15, and 36 points in the part, last four games of the year. Had more 20-point games over those past six uh, six weeks of the year than we saw earlier in the season. But, Kyle, as we talked about, no Tyreek, no Gasol, no Conley. Everyone was out. And other players who shouldn't be taking on as large a role as they were, were taking on that role. And that was what, uh, that was what Brooks can do. What do you see from him? Because I, I think that once a team starts to get better, he's going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. He, I mean, he might get... If they find somebody legit to to play over him, fine. But for right now, I'm looking at Dylan Brooks and thinking he's going to be their starter at small forward next season. Um, that, that's a and, yeah, I think that's possible. I think that's probably that likely. From, from that perspective, he's definitely interesting and someone to to keep an eye on to see if we get any kind of interesting news about him and what he does in the off season or just to see how much he develops uh, going into next year. I think he's got pretty decent size at that six, 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 seven. Um, and, and his, uh, he, he can do a little bit, you know, he can put the ball on the floor. He can attack the rack. He can shoot. He's a willing deep shooter, even if he's not necessarily the most efficient there yet. Um, but then again, you don't want to overreact to his, efficiency numbers as a rookie knowing that there is different hurdles that he's jumping over um i like dylan brooks i think that there's potential for him to become more than what people think but i also don't i wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of is what he is as well and that's uh, a scrappy player who is a a willing defender um you know he he I, I do love his effort. Um, I, th I think it's pretty dang consistent, regardless of the fact that he was playing on a crappy team with a changing a changing rotation every single night. He was one of the, the few pieces that was in there getting big minutes almost all the time, even though every once in a while he would play uh, smaller minutes than it w would, be expect would have been expected. Um, overall, I like Dylan Brooks. I think he fits for the modern NBA. Ultimately, I think he would be best served as being a, a shooting guard, um, but 
the fact that he does have a little bit of exercise and can slide up to that small forward spot is, um, I think it's going to help him. And he can do a little bit of ball handling, which you, you didn't see necessarily a ton of assists out of him, but I think that is in his repertoire. And, and we did see in the final six games of April that he did, he did get four assists per game during that stretch. So it, it's, I would say that there's a little bit more we can see from him next season in regards to his passing, if uh, if given the opportunity. I've been a little bit critical of, of Brooks, but I will say this. When he was asked to take on a larger usage role, he did it, and he did it successfully. When he was asked to take on a larger ball handling and distribution role, as you mentioned, he did it, and he did it successfully. When he was asked to play defense, he did it, and he did it pretty successfully. And all those things are, are really strong, but... On a per 36 basis for the course of the season, he was the 415th ranked player. 14 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists. 1 steal, 1.5 threes, like really middling numbers. But when he was forced into those larger roles, he, he took them and he was able to execute. The thing that I yeah, fear is that next season when Conley's there and if they bring in another high-level player and Gasol is there playing more, and will he be pushed back into that minute role that he was playing in, basically just being a space filler in those minutes when he was starting, which he did for the majority of the season? Or will that extra offensive burst that we saw from him you know, come to the fore and he'll be able to establish himself as third in the pecking order behind you know, Conley and Gasol? Could he do that? Or you know, fourth behind Marshawn Brooks? Or does he push himself even further down back to what he was at the start of the year? And that's the hard part here is evaluating, hey, it looks sexy, but where does he fit in once everyone is back and where does he, he slot into that? So he is an interesting guy who had flashes early in the season, really did nothing for you know, four months probably, and then picked it up over the course of the last two months of the season. Andy Harrison's another one of those guys, Kyle, who took his opportunity. He ran with it. He was one of the worst players in the NBA in his rookie season, but clearly wasn't that this season, dealt with a wrist injury. He's another guy that was playing big minutes and then didn't play down the stretch, allowing Brooks these extra minutes. Average nine and a half points, two rebounds, three assists, 0.7 steals. And at this point, I think that the Grizzlies should feel comfortable with him going in as a backup point guard ahead of someone like Mario Chalmers, given how he played this season. I like Harrison's size at 6'6 as a backup point guard for his defensive capabilities there, but I've, I still haven't seen, and I, I haven't really seen anything from him that makes me feel like he's deserving of being in a, a consistent rotation role on a good team. Oh, so, no. not a good um, team. Yeah. And, and so the, it's hard for me to get too excited about him or to look at him. I mean, when, when I was going through and looking at the depth chart, proje- projecting what was going to be, for the Grizzlies next year, I it it was I was kind of sad when I was like, oh, I gotta put Andrew Harrison in as the backup point <laughs> guard <do>. right now. <laughs> like that's that's not that doesn't it doesn't instill a lot of confidence for me. Um, so I'm still pretty low on him as a as a player as far as his potential in the NBA. Um, and, and it's I don't think you're gonna get much more uh, rosy of a a um, breakdown for me on Andrew Harrison. What about Jarrell Martin, a guy that. It was reported that he was cut at the start of the season, um, survived that somehow, um, made his way into onto the starting roster, ended up starting games for this season and looked capable and played out of position at times, played at the three when they were running that uh, ridiculous Jarrell Martin, Jermichael Green, Marcus Soule starting front court. 
I thought he outplayed Jermichael Green this season. I've been pretty vocal about saying that. He is only, uh, how old is he? Sorry, 20, uh, just turned 24, uh, averaged eight and four, half a three, half a steal, 0.7 blocks, 45, 77 and 35%. I, I think that he is a guy that they should be looking to get into that Jermichael Green role. I think that, you know, Four years younger, I think he's got an opportunity to be not a necessarily a starting caliber player, but a guy that they should be looking at as as a backup at the four and the five ahead of Green. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. Martin's got two more years with the uh, with the Grizzlies. One of the the, the second years of qualifying offer. Um, but as you said, they were talking about there was a report yeah, in preseason reported, last year yeah. that he was going to get waived, yep. and that and then of course he just played good enough to. To earn the role, um, it's hard to know how he's going to fit in. I do think that he showed a versatility, took advantage of the opportunity to play out of position, to play essentially three positions this year between the two forward slots and center at times. So there's, I I don't know that he's going to rise into some kind of prominence on any team, but I do think he proved that he can be a a good rotation piece or a good kind of three and D type guy with, with defensive versatility and that he has the strength to match up with some of the, the stronger guys out there. And at the same time, the, the athleticism to be able to, and the quick enough feet to be able to go out on the perimeter. So um, if nothing else, he's, I think he is one of the, the positive stories from the Grizzlies this year in that he showed that he probably does have a spot in the NBA going forward, and he's not somebody who deserved to get waived um, last preseason. But as far as whether or not he's ever going to be somebody who legitimately deserves 23 minutes a night, which is what he got last year, I don't know that he's... I don't know that a a winning team is going to find that big of a role for him um, at any point in his career. Yeah, I I can totally say that. I think he deserves a spot in the NBA, but whether that's in a high-minute role, I, I, I don't really think that's the case. Chandler Parsons, um, just another poor season. 36 games, only 19 minutes per game. He's approaching 30 years of age. On a positive note, before we get into the negatives, he shot 46% from the field. He shot 42% from three, and that was one thing that was really lacking from him the season before. He just couldn't hit any shots. He couldn't get any elevation, but clearly the knees are still an issue, Kyle, and I'm, uh, I'm ready to just be uh, done with this guy. Yeah, I'm just happy for him that he's playing in Memphis so everybody can just kind of forget about him because it's sad. Like, it's $90 million, and this is what you've gotten out of the first two seasons for $45 million? Like, that's insane. Um, You pointed it out. When I was looking through his stats for what he did this year, I said, oh, 42% from three. That's, yeah, that that was the one, you know, green light thing about him that was nice. Um, Other than that, it's just... The knees aren't healthy, and they're never going to be healthy. And I don't think there's any reason to think that they that something's going to change in, in that story. No, he's 30 years of age. It's not going to get any better. He shot the ball well, but still defensively struggled, still has movement issues. He's just not going to be the same as that guy that we saw literally be a top 50 player in uh, in his time in Dallas and in Houston, and it's just not going to happen again. And it, it, it's sad. I, you cannot blame him at all. He gets so much hate directed at him on, on Instagram and Twitter. You know, you're stealing my like. They offered the contract. He signed the contract. They knew the state of his knees. Well, they should have. He there was no there was no secret that he had knee issues. Uh, he's been injured. 
that's as simple as as that and it's it's not a good situation for Memphis it's not good for him he's still getting his money he's still uh he's still banging birds all over the place it's yeah he's loving that part of his life but he can't do what he wants to do he can't get on the court and he can't be that same player and he's never going to be that same player again unfortunately um Few players left here, Kyle, to talk about. Let's see which ones you want to you want to get into here. Wayne Seldon, Ben McLemore, Deontay Davis, Ivan Rab, or Kobe Simmons. Anyone there that you've got uh, distinct thoughts on? Uh, ben McLemore is under contract for next year, guaranteed. <laughs> so, is. what does that mean? Because they, even when they could have turned to Ben McLemore oh, and said, man. "Hey, look, everybody else is injured. We're just going to throw you out there and give you tons of minutes and see if you're going to be a part of what we're doing next season," they didn't do that. Uh, McLemore was a guy where I thought, okay, Sacramento, the dysfunction, they used him poorly. George Carl really killed his career, I thought, and I thought, nah, he's an opp- opportunity here, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm out on him. He's only 24, so we're not talking about an old player. He's still got some hope there, but he was atrocious this season. He's not deserving of the contract he's got, not that it's a big contract. Um yeah, he was he was piss poor. Dylan Brooks, Marshawn Brooks, they're clearly ahead of him in my opinion at this point. Yeah, Mike Henry provided better action at times. Yeah, defensively from what Macklemore did, and I my faith in him is uh done. There's no reason Ben Macklemore shouldn't have been able to find a way to be the starting no. shooting guard or small forward on this team. No, and he absolutely. he couldn't get it done, and that's just it's it it makes you want to write him off in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, it's just it's it's I mean, essentially, it's the same thing as last season. It's you're keeping an open mind simply because he's still only 25. But we'll see. We'll see. One last guy who I I am interested in for the future, and that's Deontay Davis. He's 21 years of age. He played 62 games in 15 minutes, six points, four rebounds, point six blocks, 61 percent from the field for a true shooting of 62 percent had his moments, but the concern I have with Davis is just spacing out. Like, uh, the defensive IQ is really... Now, he can block a shit ton of shots. He can grab boards. He can score with high efficiency. But I worry about his defensive decision-making at times, and that does limit him. Now, clearly, he is behind Marcus Sol on this team. He's still got a long way to go. But we're talking about a bloke that's still only 21 years of age and was able to hold his own an on-off of only negative 1.1, which is not a bad number when you're backing up Gasol, decent defensive metric numbers. Um, he, he showed enough per 36, 13 and a half and nine and a half with 1.5 blocks. And, and that can go up. I think that block rate can really increase as well for him. And I wouldn't be surprised in two years if he is a guy knocking on the door of the top 100. And I wouldn't also be surprised if at the end of his, uh, rookie contract that he doesn't even get a restricted free agent, uh, tender offered to him. It could go either way, but he showed enough this season as opposed to last season where I go, okay, well, it is moving in the right direction. I'm I'm conflicted um, because there is a part of me that thinks why couldn't he have carved out a bigger role this season? Yep. Um, it's because even in those games where Marcus Gasol wasn't playing, we'd see some nights where the Grizzlies would start, you know, Jamichael Green and Jarrell Martin in the front court together and just keep Deontay Davis coming off the bench along with Ivan Rabb and whoever else they were throwing into the rotation at the time. And it's just, why? Why why can't Deontay Davis get as many minutes as possible to show what he has this season, especially on the nights that you're not playing Marcus All, and we didn't really get to, to see that. So That's the concern. That, yeah, it's just, 
if 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 he if the opportunity was there and he wasn't able to seize it, um, you know, is is he just going to be continue to be that player who has kind of that aloof or um, lack of concentration that uh, a lot of people say that that he consistently has out on the court. Um, he was elite finishing yeah. at the rim this season, but he's a poor rebounder, and, and that's something that does he does need to improve on as well. But you're right, all those things you touch on, there's the, the, he had the opportunity, he didn't grab it, he showed flashes, and you think, okay, he's still only 21, so let's just wait and see how this all uh, pans out for him. But there was some positives and also, of course, uh, you know, negatives with the way that he played this season. Kyle, um, unless there's anything that you really want to add on Amari Johnson, uh, I reckon we might be done on uh, on Memphis here. No, I mean, do you think that Wayne Selden is? Mm. I mean, do you think he's back? Yes, yeah, I, I think they'll guarantee that deal. But um, I'm not a massive Selden fan. He had moments this season, but he also had moments where he sucked. Um, I, I didn't see enough for him to get overly excited. Shot 40% from three. That's good. Maybe he can turn himself into a Wayne Ellington type role player where he, he hits those threes and that's highly valuable. But Ellington's in a, in a, you know, really different class a lot of the time to these other three point guys. I, I didn't see much from Selden. Had that quad issue similar to Kawhi Leonard, which kept him out for the majority of the season. What did you think of him? Um, it, it was frustrating because. He, he he didn't be able to he didn't seem to be able to get healthy so yep. it was hard to trust that even when he was playing that he wasn't under some kind of minutes limitation or that we were really getting to see what he can do and that's I feel like that's bugged him most of his career is the the inability to get on the court stay and and to be consistent so it's just it's hard to look at Wayne Selden and think that there's much hope for him next season beyond being essentially what he was this year, which was somebody got, who filled in holes where needed. That's not to say that it is, doesn't have a good level of talent. It's just to say that he hasn't been able to capitalize on that. Um, what about Ivan Rabb? That's really the last guy that I think we haven't touched on. Do you? Uh, what were your takeaways from him as uh, in his rookie season? I talked about him a bit on, on the draft recap show. I thought that he showed if flashes that we we thought we could get from him back when he was a, a freshman at Cal um, and yeah, projected to be potentially a lottery pick back there. Obviously, he, he fell away, but I thought he showed enough to make me think, yeah, he, he can be a guy that is someone that you know I'd like to see them give a little bit more playing time and, and potentially move into a, a Jarrell Martin or Jermichael Green role as we move forward. He rebounded the ball very well. Defensively, he was okay. He had some okay scoring nights. He was quite efficient from the field, from the line. It really... Some, some impressive signs for him. It took a while to get going. For him, his G League numbers were pretty good, but ended the season with a couple of double-doubles in April, uh, some strong rebounding nights, some good shot-blocking nights. Um, I, I thought he was, uh, after really not seeing the court at all in the 2017 portion of the season, I thought that he showed enough to make me think, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good pretty good guy to grab with a second-round pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a... I'm still not convinced that he's going to make it in the NBA in regards to being a somebody who we talk about consistently. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, um, he might just end up being a Jamichael Green type player in that he's he's just a he's a, he's another maybe rotation piece. Um, but if there's a, I don't like that I, I can so Ivan Rab coming into the NBA. I thought okay, this guy can shoot it a little bit. Why why don't I don't. I don't understand why guys like Deontay Davis, who I thought coming into the NBA showed that he could shoot the long two, 
why don't they have the? Why didn't the Grizzlies have these guys shooting threes at all last year? At least shooting the damn corner three. Like the fact that neither one of those guys were taking threes on a team where you have Marcus All taking threes. I don't know, man. Is like, that is that an is that a negative of Bickerstaff's coaching, perhaps? It it might be, but then again, you don't like. I don't look at Bickerstaff and say, oh, he was he was so constricted in his ideas that he didn't do anything you know, out of left field last year because, and I want to see a coach experimenting when you're playing uh, with a team that's just kind of developing or, or is tanking. And so it, it just, it upsets me a little bit. I'm sure that these guys are practicing three-point shots in in practice, but it's it's the modern NBA. Pretty much everybody has to be shooting a three. And when you've got a guy in Ivan Rabin and, and Deontay Davis, both these guys, who I think have the ability to do that, it's a little bit, annoying to see go look through their stats and say okay they're not they're not doing this in the game like at all not they're not taking any attempts from out of there i mean you're, you're that means you're also leaving them in probably dead man zones on the on the court that either disrupts your other players abilities to attack the rack because they're hanging out closer to the paint or it just attack, allows the their defenders to sag off them a little bit more and collapse on other players because you're not worried about them catching the the pick and pop shot or anything like that or, or or you know you don't have them out in the corner at all because because nobody's threatened by it because you don't ever have them taking that shot so it's a little bit frustrating to me but it, I guess it is what it is. I think that uh, I think that probably does it for us talking about the Grizzlies. Kyle, go and uh, follow you. Or people can go follow you on Twitter at Roto Kyle NBA, and they can do the same for me at RedRock underscore Beeble. Thank you for uh, coming on today, Kyle, and speaking about the Grizzlies and uh, and getting through the uh, fantasy minutia with this team. Thanks for having me on, Josh. I'm going to go follow myself on Twitter. Go, go do that. I will, uh, I will do the same as well. Make sure that you, uh, guys are subscribing to this podcast. Leave a review if you're so inclined. Five stars would be awesome. And check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net and on the internet at LockedOnSports.com. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Chandler Parsons.